electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber is going to join us in a minute. We're coming off of uh, four straight S&P losses, longest streak of the year, and futures are weak. Got a big week ahead on uh, J&J's vaccine, Powell on the Hill, possible vote in the House on stimulus. Our roadmap, though, begins with Boeing shares under pressure. The FAA orders inspections of some triple sevens after that engine failure over Colorado. Former GE CEO Jeff Immelt on the perception of his tenure and some changes to PPP. The White House revising that program to reach some smaller minority-owned firms. Jim, what a treat to have you back, man. Uh, it was a long week last week without you, but um, we're glad you're back. I heard you talking to Becky a moment ago about I, this, this thing that's being built, this discussion about the pandemic essentially being over uh, basically by the end of April. Yes. Uh, Matthew Boss at J.P. Morgan has uh, really kind of crystallizes everything, just saying it's time. I mean, you, you got to change what you're buying. Uh, a lot of people come out this morning and talk about travel. Uh, airlines upgraded. We've got uh, hotels upgraded. We see a positive reaction to Royal Caribbean's non-earnings. And, uh, I'm getting good rumblings from even from Boeing. I know things are slow. I know what happened is terrible. But at the same time, uh, there's a Ryanair. Ryanair wants to start buying planes again because they feel very strongly, Carl, that things are opening and we may be caught short if there's a boom. It's a remarkable mindset. And I think it's a positive one. And I share it. So, all right. So the degree to which that's going to offset the rise in yields and sort of cap multiples, you think this story that has been built, I think, you know, Costin has done some good work on this, that it's going to be incumbent on corporates to out earn uh, the rise in yields rather than see the multiple go up. David Costin, I mean, you're sitting there on Sunday. There's no real sports and you're reading Costin. It's excellent. Of course, from Goldman Sachs, I uh, has some really good stuff about the stocks that are disliked. But uh, you know, I, when I look at what David's talking about, uh, there are everybody's in. And that is worrisome. He keeps talking about everybody is already making this investment. And yet the analysts are just now starting to, to upgrade. So if, if anything, what you're seeing is uh, the analysts playing catch up to the actual owners and buyers. Uh, at the same time, obviously, there's this undercurrent that I managed to witness uh, as I was uh, doing some recuperating. Obviously, we can't stop talking about Reddit and we can't stop talking about the revolution, in part because it, it's concentrated in a couple of names that everybody knows. So th- there's two threads going on. There's the reopening thread and then there's the, uh, the thread which just says we're not letting the rich people hedge funds back in. We own this market. Uh, little hubris there on everybody's part, but we'll take it. Right. Well, um, we, we've seen um, retail become a marginal buyer of the stocks before, and it has lifted 
the market overall. Jim, you mentioned Boeing, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as the morning goes on. But, of course, that engine failure over that Denver suburb, uh, the FAA, of course, ordering some inspections, United grounding uh, some of these planes. Do you think this is a, a Boeing issue or a Raytheon issue? No, it's Raytheon, I believe. There's 59 active planes. It's uh, Pratt & Whitney is, is doing, which is uh, Raytheon, doing the work here to try to figure out what's going on. Crack blade. Uh, remember, we, you know, we have to just say this plane is a redundant plane. It was able to fly on one engine. We can't forget that. Uh, the property inspects these, but obviously it's going to be done by the government. And uh, I do think that the plane was, is designed to handle one engine. We can't forget that. Uh, at the same time, the engine is not made by Boeing, but it's Boeing's responsibility. So Boeing's not shying away from responsibility. It matters tremendously uh, about what ultimately happened and how many planes have to be uh, grounded. But it's not as many as I thought. And the one thing I would point out is, is that this is the, the contracurrent to a, a company that would be up, a stock would be up big if it weren't for the fact of this, because the, the, the number of upgrades we're getting for airlines uh, and the belief that a company like Southwest is taking advantage of this Taking advantage, moving into Chicago, a very competitive route. There are a lot of companies, airlines, that are going to be left behind. And some forward-thinking airlines, we should get Gary Kelly on. He is the man who is expanding Southwest right now as others retreat. Yeah, we mentioned um, JetBlue adding some service last week. Of course, the O'Hare move is a typical Southwest, Jim, a typical Gary Kelly being offensive when others are a little vulnerable. You mentioned the upgrade out of Deutsche today. Their general point, Jim, is that coming out of the pandemic, the consumer is going to have lower credit card debt, uh, or $1.5 trillion in excess savings, higher home values. Obviously, any exposure to stocks is a net gain. And their general point is um, airlines are going to be at least a partial beneficiary. I, I agree with it. Now, we don't have the Zoom factor. We don't know how much of business travel is going to drop out. Uh, but when it comes to actual travel, uh, the, I've never seen the balance sheet of Americans be this great. Uh, and again, we know there are many people who do not have jobs, but people who do have jobs, uh, particularly in, say, they make a, less than they make that they might get the, uh, the stimulus checks. The stimulus checks for the younger people are going, and I'm sure David can talk about this, they're going to the stock market in a surprising degree. But, uh, but David, the one thing is, uh, and good morning, David, the one thing that's absolutely certain is the balance sheet, the credit, the amount of money that Americans have, including the wealth from the stock market, makes people feel like, you know what, where can I go? Some states, some countries you can't go. But where you can go, Wow. Yeah. Try getting to Florida. Try getting on a flight to go to Florida right now. Right. Uh, I haven't. I would look forward to doing so, trying to get on a flight as soon as I possibly could. Um, you know, but, Jim, this, this, what you're talking about lends itself to this larger narrative slash question concern, which is how hot are we going to get in the U.S. economy? How much are things going to boom if we do get the $1.9 trillion? Uh, will there be inflation? Will Powell and uh, team care, or are they absolutely willing to just hold the line regardless? Um, and what's it going to mean for the stock market? Is there going to be a level of speculation that just continues to increase, the one that we've already identified in certain pockets for some time now? I think there is. Uh, one, two groups that I'm looking at, and there's not that many stocks involved in them, but uh, copper is on fire. And then if you go over to John Deere, John Deere reported a quarter. It's a good company. 
they, they reported a quarter that people was unexpected, and the stock went up 30 points. Uh, Carl, when you get these mainstream so-called value stocks like Deer up 30 points, isn't that better than owning a company like, um, let's just pick Palantir? I mean, Palantir is a loved company. I said that mostly because I wanted to get some heat-seeking missiles for me and Twitter. But you get a company <laughs> that is uh, selling at a, a huge amount of time sales. And then you get a company like Deer, which is just a fabulous company. And you say, why do I need the, the 20 times sales, uh, Carl? I, I don't need that. I, I got a great American company yeah. that everybody knows. And look at that chart. That chart I, is a lot better. I know, Jim, but than, whoa. amazing. We've been we've been talking about the, this rotation uh, to, to value for a year, and it's uh, it's come in fits and starts. Well, I do think that the one thing that's happened is is that when you look at the makeup of what Deer is doing, it's housing, construction, forestry. The housing market is so strong that it's carrying a lot of companies with it. Now, I want to contrast Deer with one that I think is people are saying, "What happened to this one?" Facebook. If you look at Facebook stock. You're starting to say, even though, I, David, you know you can make a case for value, Facebook has become the poster boy for, why do I need this one? Why do I need it? I, I can go buy Viacom. Eaton. Viacom. <laughs> I mean, look at Facebook. Facebook trades like, like deer before the quarter. Uh, yeah, well, listen, it had, what, 33% top-line growth last quarter. Uh, and it trades at a multiple below that, right, Jim? Yes. So are you making an argument that Facebook is cheap and that as it has so often in the past, it will move beyond its current, I wouldn't even say difficulties, but at least sort of the questions that are in the market right now? I, I think it might be biding its time. I think people who decided to go kinder, kinder and gentler, Twitter has a big meeting this week. I, but if you went Snap and you went Pinterest, you, you ended up being where the consumer packaged good companies are. Carl, there are a lot of companies that really believe that even though Facebook's done a lot with uh, small business, uh, it ain't no Shopify. Uh, Shopify being, Shopify, by the way, number two after Amazon, after that fabulous quarter. Uh, Facebook is tainted, and there are a lot of people who feel like if I own Facebook, I am missing the opportunity for a company that's mm. pure, Shopify. I like to use those two because well, they're partners. Jim, um I know you noticed Morgan Stanley upgrade Snap today to yes. overweight. They go from 50 to 80, and their bull case 105. This was a $7 name uh, last March. And some argue, Jim, that it's, um, it's a ratification of the idea that you don't need network effects to get big, and that if you have your uh, platform essentially scrubbed of uh, abusive or incorrect information, uh, that you can benefit from fa Facebook's pain. Yes, and people love pictures. Uh, that's pictures, and it's fun. Fun's okay. It, 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 not everything has to be World War III. So I agree. I can't believe, David, do you really coming up? Do you? No. What? Yes. Who do you have? Jeff Melt. The guy, the guy Ranji. There he is. Oh, Spat. boss. Yeah. Tulio Chairman. No, 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 no. Uh, new book. A new book, Jim. A new oh. book. Well, um, yeah. Wow. Former GEC. We're going to listen to yeah. some of that sound. Uh, David sits down with Immelt uh, earlier this morning. We'll get a look at that when we come back from a break. Don't go away. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back. As Jim and uh, Carl had mentioned, did have a chance to sit down with uh, former chairman and CEO of GE, Jeff Immelt. He's out with a new book. Uh, it's coming out tomorrow, I believe, but he's been doing a lot of interviews around it. Um, and he's willing to, well, entertain a lot of questions, of course, about his tenure, one in which, as we well know, the stock price suffered. Um, and uh, as along with many, of course, of long-term investors uh, in GE. Uh, We sat down for uh, roughly an hour. We're going to uh, make that available on CNBC.com, hopefully later today. But did want to share at least a a brief back and forth. You know, uh, Immelt uh, contends, and certainly you have to admit, uh, he perhaps was not nearly as lucky as his predecessor, Jack Welsh, when it came to, well, just all sorts of different events. Take a listen. You do seem to indicate that you believe you were just, in many ways, unlucky. Is this another example of being unlucky? Or at some point, do you make your own luck or lack of it? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think, David, if you read the book, I'm harder on myself than I am on anybody else. And, and uh, you know, I made my own decisions, and I'll take the consequences for that and, and let it stand where it might. But I am very tough on myself as I write this book. Do I think volatility and market risk and things like that matter in terms of somebody's tenure? Sure, it does. But uh, I am tougher on myself than anybody else. For anybody that reads the book, you're going to see that. Well, I, I read every page, uh, and and you are. Uh, but you you also uh, deliver blame in other areas. Um, you know, you certainly. Steve Bowles, I mean, uh, who ran power. You don't spare any niceties for him, or I should say there aren't many for him. Uh, You wrote, maybe the worst mistake I ever made was listening to the board and not firing him. Um, So it's not as though, Jeff, you just fully take the blame. I mean, you're saying there are a lot of other things going on that that uh, and people who failed you, aren't you? You know, Dave, again, I'd start by saying I'm tougher on myself than I am on anybody else. But the power and Alstom story has been written and rewritten and observed by you and by others for four years. And I felt like there was a need to have a complete telling of how we did the Alstom deal, what, what, it, what has been a really good business and power for a long time, and then, you know, issues we had with execution. So... Uh, you know, as I say in the book, if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't do the Austin deal. But it was a it was a complicated deal uh, where, with difficult markets where we didn't have a team aligned with execution. And I, again, uh, own that, as does the board, in terms of where we were positioned at that time. So all I try to do, David, is a, is a tell a complete story 
so people could have a complete answer. Melt says trying to add a lot of context uh, to so much of what has been out there. We're going to have a lot more, of course, uh, of that. Jim, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about Mr. Melt. We certainly, at least we have in the past. It's, it was fascinating to sit down with him for an hour and go over so many things. Um, and I look forward to sharing more uh, from, uh, from our conversation. Uh, remorse, uh, giving money back to the shareholders, uh, feeling that perhaps he uh, was overcompensated, uh, didn't understand, uh, uh, I don't think it's luck that you bought oil high. I don't think it's luck that you bought infrastructure high. Any thought at all about how uh, money should have been clawed back? Well, I mean, clawed back, no. Uh, we certainly talked about, as, as we had actually, frankly, in some interviews that we did towards the end of his tenure of, of um, you know, buying high and selling low and how that can have a dramatically negative impact over a long period of time. Didn't get into oil and gas as much as perhaps we should have, but we certainly spent a lot of time on Alstom, which was the last big deal, one of the largest. Uh, you know, Amersham now, he, he certainly defends as a deal and says it paid, uh, paid off uh, a great uh, more than it was than they paid for it. And I do remember us criticizing that deal way back. That was somewhat early in his tenure, the Amersham deal, selling, obviously, NBCU to Comcast, perhaps at a much lower valuation than could have been the case. And then GE Capital. That really is what colors so much of his tenure, Jim. And to be fair, he inherited it. It was 40% of earnings. It rose to 50%, and then the financial crisis hit. And it sort of colors so much of what actually occurred during all those ML years. Uh, Long-term care and how it was uh, not fully disclosed. Yep. Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, wind accounting and how it was non-common. Mm-hmm. We all talked that, a huh? bit about it. Uh, yeah. Nice guy, fun. Uh, yes, all those things. Mattered. I mean, I, I don't mean that facetiously. I always enjoyed Jeff's company. Uh, and then when the stock, the projections failed so badly, David, we all kind of shrugged our shoulders initially, but then it was repeated uh, failure to make the numbers. And you went from feeling that, that Jeff is a guy who has got, got a lot of vision to being a guy who couldn't execute. Right. It's, it's this words success theater is what's used in some of the books about GE. Um, you know, we address that to, to some extent as well. Obviously, so much to get to and even an hour, not enough time to sort of encompass a 16 plus year career. Uh, as CEO, and obviously 35 years at the company, but certainly going to share what we can from it and encourage people to as well view it uh, online, Carl, when, uh, when we have the full interview. I believe it will be available uh, as well. And the book, I read it. Uh, pretty good read. Yeah. Pretty good read. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if the people at GE are working def- or watching. I bet you they're working. They're working. Definitely sounds candid, David. I can't wait to hear more. Uh, Obviously, uh, David having sat down with ML earlier this morning. We'll take a break here. Um, Plenty to watch. We've got Yellen on the tape talking about the potential for a long bond, Jim, uh, 100 years, and what the market like that might look like. Also, uh, as a fiscal aide, she says, aims at what she's now calling pockets of misery. We'll look at some earnings out of Disca and Royal Caribbean, and of course, some M&A on the bank and industrial front. Don't go away. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. 
From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Take a look at some of the Dow laggards pre-market. Boeing's going to lead on that uh, news from over the weekend, followed by Apple and Intel. We've got four sessions down so far in a row on the S&P. We haven't had five in a row down in nearly a year since the last seven sessions of February of 2020. We'll see what happens when we get the opening bell in eight minutes. All right, let's get to a mad dash, then we'll get to an opening bell for this Monday. Coles. Yeah, okay, so John Duskin, who uh, is no stranger to activism when it comes to retail, Children's Place, uh, and uh, Bed Bath Beyond, is going after Coles for chronic underperformance, uh, a belief that the company's created no value, a belief that the company uh, has no reason to live unless they change. And he's got a primer about what they need to do, but I think the most, I'm going to cut to the chase. There's a guy by the name of Tom Kingsbury. And he worked at Coles at one point. Uh, he built a company called Burlington and wanted into one of the greatest off-price companies. Burlington was an also-ran. Kingsbury got in. I cannot believe that Duskin got Kingsbury to be part of his slate. Uh, it's not a personal attack. There's nothing there that, that says, you know what, uh, Michelle Goss is worthless. But there is an overall belief, David, that the company is uh, going to be left behind unless it changes. It's Amazon return deal. Doesn't matter that much. It's got a lot of uh, money locked up in real estate. It did a very bad uh, uh, 9% bond during the, the, the absolute darkest hours. You know, David, I got to tell you, when I look at Kohl's, and yeah. I go to Kohl's quite a bit, yep. uh, I say, you know what? It, it is catch as catch can. And you go to Kohl's because, frankly, there might be another store in the mall. Uh, in, in the shopping center. Uh, it is not a destination store, and I do believe that uh, I should fully disclose. I've known John Duskin for 30 years. Uh, he, I have uh, talked with him about a lot of ideas beforehand. I did not uh, talk to him about Kohl's before this was public, other than the fact that he said, listen, I got a big one coming. So I think, David, it's going to be uh, difficult for Kohl's to resist some because it is true. Uh, Ten years, nothing. Nothing, David. Nothing. Nothing. This is not an insignificant challenge here. We're talking nine seats, not just a couple. So they're looking to basically take over the board. Yes. And what they really want to do is uh, make it so that they monetize some of the real estate. Uh, They make it so the housewares are better. They make it so that uh, the stores themselves have something special. Uh, Every major brand that they have that works as their own brand, according to John, has failed. Uh, the idea that they have a loyalty program is good, but it's very hard to work. And overall, I think that the what John is saying, basically, Kohl's left to its own devices, and this is my own uh, view of it, could be Penny. Uh, Kohl's has a better balance sheet than Penny, obviously. And they got the Sephora deal. Uh, and they've got some fabulous people on board. They have, a, they, they have a, Adrian Shapiro, who was a fantastic analyst at Goldman in retail. She's joined the board. Uh, it is going to be very contentious. Uh, but there is a problem with Kohl's, and the problem with Kohl's is called Amazon. And there isn't anything in Kohl's that I can't get better at Amazon. Uh, so when you look at the existential crisis that we often talk about, David, and you look at what Kohl's has, and you look at their prices, you just say, you know what? Amazon's better. And right. that is really the issue, even though that is an undercurrent of John Duskin's work. Although I feel like you've gone, I mean, you were very negative on Kohl's for a while. Then you were not as negative. Well, they You've did, been sort of in a less negative place lately. I like the Sephora deal that they took from J.C. Penney. I like the fact that they 
uh, were able to, to switch to do a lot more direct to consumer. I was, uh, I was actually surprised how much they could pick that up. Uh, and also, I like stores that you can go to a shopping mall, not a shopping center, and have contactless. And Kohl's has that advantage. So does so. Look, look, if you're in a shopping center, it's very different from a shopping mall. Uh, and shopping center, let's say, is uh, Federal Realty. Shopping mall is David Simon. A lot of stuff in the in the mall doing well. But overall, I think that Kohl's is going to have to really sit down. They say they've been talking to John, but the numbers of Kohl's are not good. They're just here's a great thing to say: not as bad as they were. Yeah, we'll get to some other names uh, in the retail space this morning, Jim, as well. Uh, B of A, new street high for Target. Uh, but in the meantime, there's the opening bell and the S&P 500 at the NYSE. It's Lone Depot celebrating a recent listing at the NASDAQ. It's business software company Pegasystems. And we're going to talk to the founder and CEO later on, Squawk Alley. Overall, David, uh, extremely busy Monday, not just for your beat on M&A, but for SPACs. Uh, IPOs, Roblox, looking at that direct listing in March and a whole lot more. Yeah, the SPAC stuff just continues unabated. I, you know, I haven't uh, given the preparation over the weekend and then uh, this morning uh, with uh, Mr. Immelt, haven't spent as much time. But, I mean, Jim, I'm sure you get hit all the time, too. It's just endless. Uh, I know Jeff Smith's got a SPAC. We're going to bring one on later this morning uh, from a former uh, Goldman banker, uh, th- again, announcing their deals. It, it And... It just will keep going. Um, this is not going anywhere. It's not like it's going to end next week or next month. The SPAC phenomena will continue for quite some time, uh, Jim. And it's only going to grow. I mean, you're going to see changes in sort of the promote. You'll see changes in the, in the way the sponsors are compensated to some extent. You may even see changes in structure, but this thing's not going anywhere. But the one thing, I want to put a positive spin on SPACs for a second. Sure. I was going over a, a large number of them. And it looks like there's going to be $70 billion uh, ultimately devoted to the grid and to making so that we have a a carbon-free environment. That money would not go otherwise. And a lot of these, of course, we're talking about uh, EV. We're talking about uh, better batteries, uh, maybe even uh, uh, hydrogen. And it kind of reminds me, I was going back to support someone who likes wind, and I think wind was an unfair culprit in Texas, that it's like the railroads. The British provided the money for our railroads. People, the Brits lost a fortune because we put railroads all over the place, but we were left with one darn good railroad network. I think that this, David, is the way for a lot of these companies to scale that would never have scaled. So I want to put a little bit more of a positive spin on the ones that are EV and carbon. Uh, and then there's just a whole other, uh, we, we can talk about like a starboard. Yep. They found a real business. Some of these companies are looking for businesses and some of these bus- uh, companies have businesses. Yes. And so, David, don't you find there's this demarcation point? where you get money and you go off and find something and then you get money, but you had something in mind the whole time. Yeah. Although, I mean, there's so much money chasing these deals that it's not clear that you ever start kind of get the get what you were after when you began your process. Oftentimes you even find yourself in an industry that's not quite the industry you thought might be adjacent to it in some way. But to your point, yeah, uh, listen, Jim, it's going to be very interesting. We may lose sight of many of these companies eventually, um, but so much um, um, late stage, not even late, some of it, medium stage to late stage uh, growth capital is now being put into these companies that are going public. Yeah. You know, they're going public in that, in that period where they don't have any earnings, many of them. They have a dream. Right. Obviously, you start with a SPAC and a dream, then you get your deal and you've got a dream about battery efficiency or your truck fleet or any number of other things, your flying car. 
Uh, and then it'll be a question of what things really look like in 2025 or 2026 when and if they start to actually commercialize some of these opportunities. All right, but let's look at it another way. There's a company called Toast. Uh, Goldman's talking about bringing public as a point of sale company. Uh, it's valued right now at, at uh, $20 billion. Uh, I know. Then there's a company called Lightspeed, valued at half of that, a point of sale. Uh, when I look at the Toast uh, numbers, well, you know, it's a traditional underwriting, David. I have no idea how they're going to do. But when you look at a SPAC, Carl, the, the 2027, they have models. And it's almost as if it's kind of like you're playing. There was a game called Stocks and Bonds that my father used to sell when he worked for 3M. And it had all these companies had. So there was a company called Striker Oil. And it had projections out the wazoo. I mean, it, it, but the SEC doesn't like that. If you want, it's like a big game. You can come up with a, 27, 19, with a 2027 valuation, Carl, and put numbers together and say, you know what, I'm buying a cheap SPAC. And, you know, then there's Toast, which is valued at $20 billion. David, I, I, Carl, I don't care. They're both uh, ridiculous. The 2027 number's ridiculous, and the fact that a point-of-sale company that is basically, and I've, I've had to deal with every point-of-sale company as an owner of restaurants, that that's worth $20 billion, and it will get it because they've got, they'll get the hoopla going. Some of these are ridiculously valued, but right now we are in a world where people want to own spaceships, they want to own LIDAR, they want to own batteries that are 15% more chargeable than Tesla. Carl, they're unstoppable. They'll take anything because it's so exciting. And this is apropos of what happened last week, the excitement that we saw over a, a, a video game store. They love these. Right. And boy, when you criticize them, right. no, Carl, Jim. they find you. They find you. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, you, of course, deal with it more than any of us. Uh, but to your larger point, uh, if you're on the cusp of a big age of innovation, which you could argue we are, uh, people are going to reach and sometimes be reined in. Uh, for example, Yellen right now in this event with the New York Times uh, saying that Bitcoin, Jim, is extremely inefficient for conducting transactions, a highly speculative asset. Uh, trying to see if PayPal or Visa or MasterCard uh, respond to any of that uh, commentary. But it's the latest um, attempt to rein in some of these large expectations we have about the future. Well, I, I know an effort like MasterCard, which is a very good company. They're looking at it as an asset, uh, not as a currency. And I don't know how you view it otherwise. David, Yeah. if you're going to buy something with Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah. um, you're going to buy, you're going to have to be like, Elon Musk. The idea that we're going to be able to just do, I know PayPal takes it, Square takes it, and someone today was saying Square was worth, I don't know, $600. Again, this is part and parcel of the new market. But David, it's just too volatile to serve as that, and what you really need is something that does not have this level of volatility, where a tweet from Elon Musk can take away, you know, take it from a trillion down to, I don't know, $950 billion. It doesn't work as anything other than an asset. Okay. What Gold doesn't either. I disagree with that. You do? Why? It's universally accepted, uh, and you can travel with it. (laughs) You can travel with it? It's really heavy. You can't travel (laughs) with gold. Well, David, a lot of people travel with gold. You can travel with Bitcoin because you don't need to. It's, you know, I'm not traveling with any gold. I think if you put gold in your your coat (laughs) on the way out of a particular uh, regime... In the 30s and 40s, you did, did okay. <laughs> I'm not odd job here, man. I mean, no. he, could, he could handle the gold. He was big. Yeah, he was big. Yeah. But they had that wire, that wire that he had, that Bond had. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But look, I just think that I like gold. By the way, uh, Barrick reported last week, it was a remarkable quarter. Nobody cared because gold has been eclipsed by Bitcoin. Carl, I mean, look, I, I spend a huge amount of time looking at Bitcoin, and I come back and I just say that there are people who keep using this $100,000 price tag, and they won't be deterred. And they'll look at everything as a buying opportunity with Bitcoin. Uh, it, it is, it, it's amazing. And it is something that if we don't take, uh, we have to focus on it every day, if only just because a lot of people even are correlating it to the stock market, Carl. I, I'd rather correlate oil. I think oil is a better correlative. But Bitcoin is captured the fancy, yep. and I, 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 you can't deny it. I'm glad you mentioned crude, Jim, uh, because Goldman uh, does up their target uh, over the weekend, at least on Brent, uh, to 70 in Q2, 75 in Q3. That's a $10 increase over their prior. As they say, Jim, uh, inventories are declining faster than we expected, uh, whatever the Saudis may do notwithstanding. Certainly the episode in Texas last week, which I know you were watching, right. uh, hasn't done much for at least refining capacity in this country. No, and Exxon remains uh, a big believer that the depletion is going faster than how much you, you can replace uh, and that oil is going to go up. I still look at the five-year curve on West Texas. It hasn't changed. It's still 48 bucks. Uh, but remember, if Biden follows through, President Biden follows through with, with a, a severe, a severe and say Gulf of Mexico, that's the real scare, then you, these prices are justified. I remain a steadfast believer that Pioneer is the great growth stock of this group, if you want it. And Chevron is the great value stock. I don't particularly like the stocks, but those are the two. And I know that people say, well, Jim, you hate the oils. I pick two oils, one growth and one value. You don't need to own every oil. There's two. And those work. So if you really feel compelled, David, you want to own an oil? Mike Worth at Chevron demonstrated something that you and I both know. It's called discipline. Mm -hmm. I like that. I know you do. Although it has underperformed uh, dramatically. It's been a Good year so far, up 15%, it's but Exxon's up you. almost 30%. But I like yield. Um, and Go people who moved into Exxon and hedged it, by the way, with Chevron, just to capture that spread, were, were right in doing so. In part, now Exxon dealing, as you have pointed out, with some activist pressure. Right. And there's some questions, will they have another significant addition to the board? Uh, are, are they going to commit to further actions when it comes to CapEx uh, and operating expenses as well, Jim? I, I don't know the answers there at this point, but, but it's still a conversation, the, right? When we split... When does the wave of revulsion come from uh, pension funds that say we are not backing carbon, uh, carbon fuels? We're going neutral. Right. right. That's going to happen. Well, it, yeah, to some extent. I mean, every day, listen, we see, we see the announcements from companies that are in a position to at least try to reach carbon neutrality. Um, you got 3M last week right? or two weeks ago. Uh, it's going to be years. 2050, I think, is when they finally get there. But they're trying to do a lot in the first five. Carl, the battleground um, is 2030. The people who, and they, by the way, Mary Barr, GM, is doing incredible things. Jim Farley's doing amazing things. You got an electrified, F1, electrified F-150. You can plug everything in. You got an office in your truck. But I, I think that the 2030 is something that an Exxon would tell you is completely preposterous. But you've got Walmart, really interesting meeting last week that I didn't get to talk about because I thought that Doug McMill did some great mm, things. Yeah. And, and you've got outfits like Amazon saying, listen, we're not going to tolerate this amount of, of fossil fuel. You do have hydrogen, uh, green hydrogen, which is very expensive right now, but it could be good for long haul. Uh, you do have the possibility of some new standards being developed by President Biden. A lot of people are talking about President Biden uh, away from this, uh, just saying, look out. Uh, he's looking at what's happening even with natural gas. 
and what is the pastiche of our of our uh, grid and how much can be uh, solar and how much can be wind. Jim, on a related topic, I, I would love you to tell me, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who'd benefit if you were able to actually figure this out. It's unclear that you can. Who's going to have the best battery technology? Because we all know every company claims that they have the most efficient batteries. Uh, we've had QuantumScape on, obviously, makes the solid state and the advances. We had him on last week talking about the advances that they're making in terms of getting closer to a commercial product. But everybody claims that they've got the best battery. The most no, QuantumScape. The most efficient battery. Well, what about Lucid? We can take a look at shares of CCIV this morning. Uh, they haven't announced the deal yet. I don't think I, I think I have, would have seen it if it had been announced. But the no, stock is uh, up. Churchill goes up every day. Churchill go, is up 17 yeah. percent. Um, that deal does appear very close. The pipe is being negotiated. I think they're going to sell it at 15, not 10. You're going to move that up 10. Do you know the, the valuation? Over, the overall value for Lucid bill? Is, well, it's going to, I think they would have started at 15, but then you got to multiply it by five or four or five enterprise value 15. I mean, this thing's going to be valued at 50, 60 billion dollars, Lucid, um, at least by the market at this point, based on the, the fact where, uh, where CCIV is, Jim. But do they have the best technology? They claim, Rawlinson comes on and claims they do. I think. That I mean, they, I don't expect you to have the answer, by the way. Right. I, I'm, we're all trying to figure it out. We don't know. I like, you know, look, I have Fisker on. I, I, I look at all these guy, guys and I say, Carl, you know what? Only 3% of the market is EV. Uh, only Tesla's really produce something that people are dying for. 3%. There's a 220 million car total addressable market in the United States. You don't think there's room for Lucid and Fisker? Carl, I think there's room for everybody. Uh, but I think, yeah, there's a, the, the bullish cases that we make room, Jim. There's no doubt about that. By the way, speaking of all of this, energy is definitely helping out today uh, in what is overall pretty rough tape. Uh, Ten-year yield has come in a little bit from 139 earlier this morning. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Hi, Carl. Indeed, as you look at a two-day chart of tens, you're, you're clearly correct. We drifted right into, from Friday into today, yields moving a bit higher, the equity market's getting a bit squishy, that is taking its toll as you look at that chart. And if we open up a 30-year bond chart to January of last year, you can see we're basically hovering at slightly over one-year highs, 13-month highs in 30-year bonds, about one year exactly in 10-year note yields. And the major issue on a technical basis for 10s is that on a closing basis, you want to pay close attention to the high 130s. Those were the double bottoms in 2012 and 2016. Intraday, we've tested these levels on a closing basis. That's really what counts. Now, if you look at 10s minus 2s, the yield curve spread, it is currently trading just a whisker under 123. If you open that chart up to four years, you can see we haven't been at that level since early 2017. And if you look at a year-to-date of the KBW index against tens to twos, you will see, obviously, that it correlates. And this is a positive for the banking industry, even though there's so much more to consider outside of just where rates line up, like money supply and potential inflation down the road, and the fact we're throwing everything, including everybody's kitchen sink, to try to stem the drop in jobs just like in 2008 and 2009, certainly hope we have better results. And finally, a one-year of 10-year boons. Basically, they closed at minus 58 last year. Today, briefly, they were at minus 30. That's almost half, almost half, where they closed just a few months ago. Carl, Jim, David, back to you.
right, Rick. We'll see you in a little while. Rick Santelli. Uh, so we got financials and energy up. Uh, VIX a little elevated at 24. Uh, Tesla below the 50-day for the first time since November. More Squawk on the Street continues in just a moment. Let's get to Bob Pisani uh, shortly after the market opened on this Monday. Hey, Bob. Uh, Carl, uh, good morning. Happy Monday. Uh, Boeing, Microsoft, Apple weighing on the Dow, but a little bit of problem with tech in general here. So take a look at the sectors. Carl mentioned the reflation trade is working a bit. So we got banks up, we got energy up, industrials, but semis in tech, this is just not working. It hasn't been working for a couple of weeks now. Look at the mega cap tech names here, not just the FANG names. You know, Apple's had a, a tough time in the last few weeks. Amazon uh, as well. Uh, Microsoft, NVIDIA, all these uh, tech names are to the downside today. I want to keep an eye on that. The big debate of course, is inflation. How serious is it? And what's going on with that? And can the Fed convince the markets? It's years away from raising rates uh, and maybe from tapering uh, as well. Put up that full screen here. So how far can you do that? What's the inflation story? And how far is the the reflation trade going to go at this point? It's had quite a run. Thank heavens for Janet Yellen. The street loves Yellen. They believe the go big uh, stimulus is going to work and going to happen. But look at the reflation trade already. We've gone a long ways. Energy's up 20%. The China trade, banks, copper, all up. Russell 2000. The defensive sectors are doing nothing. You know, consumer staples, utilities, health care. If you put that up there, they're just kind of stuck doing absolutely nothing. Mega cap names, they're also uh, well off of their highs uh, as well here. I mentioned Amazon's gone nowhere. It's uh, high was back in August. Apple's high was a month ago. It's 10% off of its highs. So you see these stocks all moving to the downside. Uh, as for what's going on with uh, Jeff Immelt and General Electric watching uh, David's interview with great uh, interest, uh, those of us who are of a certain age uh, had a lesson to learn from this, and that is don't put too much of your 401k money in the company that you own. It was the only stock we were allowed to own. Of course, we were GE employees back then. Many of us uh, were very enthusiastic uh, about that. GE went from $7 in 1993, this is split adjusted, it split three times in the 90s, uh, to about $60 in the summer of 2000. And Carl, uh, there you see the outperformance of General Electric compared to the S&P uh, into the summer of 2000. Uh, and by three years later, it was $23 or so. So we all learned a very painful lesson, Carl, about investing uh, too much of your own stock, company stock in 401ks. Carl? Yeah, as, as some have half over time in various instances, Bob, thanks, uh, Bob Bassani. Take a short break here. A lot more still to come on a busy Monday and a, ahead of a busy week. Don't go anywhere. Some S&P gainers this morning. People's United is going to be in the lead as M&T buys it for $7.6 billion in stock. American Airlines not too far down the list as Deutsche upgrades the entire airline sector. A lot more Squawk on the Street continues in just a moment. Don't go away. It was one year ago yesterday. Jim, David and I were back on our old set at the New York Stock Exchange. COVID was definitely on the market's radar, but hadn't yet been established as a pandemic. And the discussion we were having uh, with Jim was about the business handshake and what would happen to it. Take a listen to this. 
I am anxious not to shake people's hands. <laughs> I have a it, mask it here. Literally I have rubber save gloves. Lives, not shaking hands. I mean, wasn't it done to show that you didn't have a weapon? Well, we don't have weapons. So just it's just that it's weird to like do the el- elbow I'm not thing. armed. <laughs> but I, that? you know, I got guests, and all the guests want to shake my hand. Okay, at the end of the interview, and because it looks like that I like them. I'm not, with the exception, you know. I mean, there's one company I wouldn't shake hands with even if I before the virus is after. And you know what that is. Um, but I. Everybody knows which yeah, company you're I, talking I, about. I am struggling, to, but I want everyone to, to, at home to know I don't want to shake anybody's hand. What did the Three don't. Stooges used to do? <laughs> Why don't you do that with your guest? <laughs> Jim, I don't think at that point we had uh, established the term social distancing, but uh, we were already on track to uh, think about transmission being the end all and be all. Yeah, I, that was kind of a revelatory. I said, when shake people, people are like, geez, Kramer's crumpy. No. Um, and then it turned out that the viral load from your mouth turned to be big. But yeah, I was kind of early on on this. And I got to tell you, uh, people thought I was uh, paranoid psychotic. It's <laughs> not the first time. But uh, yeah, I didn't shake anybody's hands after that. I went to, I gave a big speech for a Georgetown conference. And Georgetown, there was like 600 people there. And everyone went to shake my hand, like, hey. How you doing? And I always had the Purell in my hand. Hey, how you doing? So we were early on, and we've been safe, and that's, that's, that's what matters. Yep. It's hard to imagine, though, Carl, isn't it? I mean, here we are still. It's going to be a year. We will not have been together in the same space. Um, hopefully it won't be much longer than that. It does feel like we're, we're really making progress. But uh, who knows when the date is when uh, we're all back together. It certainly does. Yeah. Don't want to get too maudlin. Hugged yeah. my daughter yeah. this weekend because so- the Moderna kicked in. Hugged her. There you go. It's kind of cool. Kind of like what you did for 26 years and then that's, stopped. I shook her hand. That's what it's all about. <laughs> uh, is that human-to-human contact, guys? It is. Uh, it is. Jim, let's get to stop trading. Okay, What's I want to talk about it. You know, I'm going to say something while we're on the personal. My wife, Lisa, always, always thought you, uh, that Jeff Immel was a complete gentleman, okay? Liked his style, liked the way he handled people. And I want to point out that he joined the board of Twilio when the stock was at 144 in June of 2019. And the stock's at 429. So sometimes luck can be the residue of design, David. I just thought I should say something nice because, because my mom always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. And I say a lot of things that aren't nice. There. <laughs> I just said something nice. Jim, oh, Jim, Lord. what's tonight? I got one semiconductor. We got to find about the semiconductor shortage because they have a lot of auto. Um, I got Palo Alto Networks, which I now believe is the single best cybersecurity play because it does both uh, on-prem and cloud, cloud native. And then Eli Lilly, man of the hour. We're going to talk about a lot of things, including Alzheimer's. We're going to talk about therapeutics. I also am going to talk about migraine because their migraine jug is not doing nearly as much as what I thought. And there we go. I love being back. Love it. Not as much as we love having you back. <laughs> oh, very kind. <laughs> we'll see you tonight. Thank you, guys. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.